Hello. Welcome to the 47th episode of the Midlife Pilot Podcast. We're glad you're with us. My name is Ben. I'm a private and instrument rated pilot based out of Atlanta, currently in Studio 126 at the Ramada in Henderson, Kentucky. Uh, We are glad you're with us. We're streaming live on YouTube uh, tonight, special night. Monday night, we didn't want to take people away from their Halloween festivities, so we decided to go at night early. But usually you can find us at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday nights. Tonight, we have uh, our co-host with me, Brian Siskin from the heart of Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Brian. How's it going, everybody? I'm super glad to be here. And uh, real quick, Ben, is that it's a different room number than what's in The Shining, right? It's it's on the lower floor. I, I'm told this room is not haunted at all and okay. is not sought after by madmen. Okay. I was assured it was the studio room. So <laughs> thank you for that. Ted from Portland, hey, Oregon, our 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 light sport pilot extraordinaire. Welcome, Ted. Light sport West Coast. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> West Coast, best coast. Yeah. And then we have a special right. guest tonight, uh, a, a big fan of... Uh, a great guy. Uh, we're really happy to have you with us, Josh Flowers, who is based in Austin, Texas, but currently elsewhere at this time. Welcome, Josh. Hey, appreciate the invite. Always happy to to talk with fellow aviators and appreciate the invite on the all show. Thank you. So we, uh, the guys and I had gotten together uh, a couple of months, a couple of weeks back, actually, coming up with ideas. And we decided, you know, where are we in aviation YouTube? Mm-hmm. And to kind of get things kicked off, the one thing I was going to mention is that, you know, I started watching three different YouTubers in 2017 when I was really in the heart of my private pilot training. It was Aviation 101, Fly Chops, and Stevo, And specifically Josh's videos, man, it, it, you know, when you're learning, there was a lot to consume there. So uh, thank you for that, Josh, to start out with. But you know, that was six years ago and the state of YouTube is not what it once was. And we just wanted to bring you aboard and, um, you know, let's, let's get the conversation going. Um, Brian, I think you, uh, wanted to mention a, a couple of things out there too. Well, first of all, Hey, Josh, I'm so glad you're here. You, you know, um, and I really, you know, there's a lot of people that you think, well, the, you know, this guy's super busy. He won't give you any of his time, but you were nice enough to tell me, or at least keep me from killing myself when I flew out to West Texas by giving me some uh, high density altitude advice that I, I very much took to heart. Now, I will say that it was a little strange later when I got the invoice or whatever, for, you know, yeah. for like- <laughs> That's standard point, <laughs> point three ground school or whatever. Uh, but that's cool, man. I mean, I, you know, look, we're all out here just trying to make a living. So um, no, but it, it's, it does, it, it cannot be- overstated that it really means a lot. Um, you know, I've been really fortunate in my life to talk to a lot of amazing, creative and interesting people of all kinds and people that have inspired me and in all this through various podcasts and other areas of life. Uh, but I'd always just want to make sure that, you know, more than anything, I just appreciate you being here because um, time is all we got. So uh, That's right. first of all, I just wanted to share that. And then. Um, hey, I, I appreciate the invite, really. Yeah, man. And then otherwise, you know, the first one we want to get into right away is, you know, and for the audience, you know, we're talking about this, you know, everybody here pretty much consumes YouTube on some level 
honestly, it's been probably the gateway drug for a lot of us to even get to aviation. Right. Um, so um, that being said, you know, as you spend more time and you consume more things, uh, you start to get a, a frame of reference for kind of what's going on, right? Like you've got some people maybe on the internet that you shouldn't maybe take as an example, or you've got uh, people that are doing really amazing things, but they feel so far away from you because they're, you know, flying in planes and living in some world that seems kind of foreign, right? And then you right. have people that kind of feel like they really hit the sweet spot. Um, you've been very good about uh, keeping it relatable, but um, but first of all, I just wanted to say, if you had to take a survey of the lay of the land of, of YouTube uh, and how it's maybe gotten to where it is now, what are some observations maybe you have about um, how, how we've gotten to where we are now? And then we'll talk more about the future. But that's I mean, it's a very loaded topic to talk about. There are so many different little corners of it, little moving pieces of social media and YouTube as a whole. But um, when I started, I, I put out the first video in 2010. Uh, and it was, it almost seemed like, at least from what I could observe at the time, it seemed like a novelty to be able to put small cameras in airplanes, mount them and record the intercom audio and edit that into the video. Uh, when I first started making videos, first of all, I was recording the camcorder was recording on a mini DV tape and that was mounted to the windshield pointing straight out the, the window. Uh, it did not have a rolling shutter it had a global shutter and to record audio, I was using an older Hi8 camera that had RCA audio input. And I had a splice and cables going to the back. And it was like a zip tied bundle that I kept in my flight bag that I would run between the seats. That was my method of doing things back then. And over time, of course, we changed to action cameras. Now you have smaller cameras that have rolling shutters, more challenges to deal with. But now we're recording on SD cards, micro SD cards. Now I record everything in 4K. I moved to a, a digital audio recorder probably in 2011, uh, right after I started making the videos and just found out what the challenges were, figured out how to sort through those, like how to get the crystal clear audio. What are the nuances there and what type of device do you need, et cetera. Now that we have moved into an age where everybody has a 4K camera in their pocket, uh, the space is very, I don't want to sound cynical here, um, but it, it is very noisy. Uh, there are, I mean, everybody can put out anything they want and that's great. I, like if you go on Instagram, you go on YouTube, everybody is sharing any little experience that they themselves thought was cool. And it's, it's a way for us to have like a tiny little window into all of these other people's lives and find the relatable bits to ourselves in their own flying. And that's how we get them inspired. That's where it's born. Um, so where it's really come to now, you, you, I feel like you have to put in a lot more effort to truly stand out um, on, on YouTube and social media. That leads me to the topic of clickbait that I am very seldom ever. I mean, I will flirt with the, you know, the edge of like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that thumbnail's relevant, you know, or that title's relevant. But I, I just refuse to, to get out, to, to deviate from my overall mission for clicks and for views. Um, do I make somewhat of a living doing stuff on social media? Absolutely. Will I sacrifice my overall mission, which I'll get to in a second, for clicks and views? Absolutely not. I'll, I'll hang the headset up before I, I do that kind of stuff. Um, I, and I say this in the intro of all of my videos. Uh, I have made it my mission as I have matured and grown up alongside my content. I started putting videos out in 2010 as a student pilot. Uh, 
I have made it my mission to promote safe practices while sharing the beauty the world has to offer through the lens of a camera. That's my mission, period. There's nothing else to it. Uh, so I will continue, for example, a video that I just finished editing that's going to go out you know, in about two weeks. Um, I decided to bring a lot more little training tidbits into this video that normally would have just been kind of actually it was flying to Marfa, Brian. Um, so ah, yeah. uh, very, you know, you know, the scenery, it's very scenic and very pretty. And, and it otherwise would have been just kind of the, hey, we're using aviation to get here and tell this story. And we're going to show the beauty of this flight and what there is to tell at the end of the trip. Um, but I really took a lot more moments out of the video where it was just kind of like, a, we're going to pause here and I'm going to talk about something. And actually one of those topics was density altitude. And, and I introduced this term density altitude for those who are not familiar with it. And this is in general, you know, uh, in, in generic terms, this is how it affects performance, et cetera. So I, I try to do little things like that, capture people's attention with the beauty and the pretty shots and the cinematography as best I can. I am not a pro at this stuff. But as best I can, capture their attention with that and also say, hey, by the way, this is something if you're going to go do a flight like this, this is something you should consider. Or, hey, did you notice the airdrop controller just said this? This is why they said that. little things like that. So I, I think that is what my mission has really been over time. That's what I am going to stick to, period. Uh, and in the very noisy space that is YouTube now, where there's clickbait, there's a lot of great content out there. There's also a lot of junk, man. There's a lot of stuff that's just, I mean, I even saw an Instagram post yesterday. It was so factually inaccurate. I had to screenshot it just to like figure out if I want to like make a video about this topic or not. Uh, but just somebody had an engine issue and, and wrote in the caption what they did as if it were advice. It was just downright factually inaccurate. Uh, mm. You know, um, there are great things out there on social media. There is also just flat out junk. Um, and you, you got to kind of have the critical thinking about you to be able to sort it out. So I think that's, I think that's where social media really stands, or at least that's the issue, the main issue I've seen with it these days. You hear that, Ben? <laughs> oh, I, I was waiting for that. It's like uh, Josh finally found Ben's Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, and then uh, one dull geek in our uh, audience who's a, a friend of the show. I had posted up there, your full-length touch-and-go videos, Josh, was what convinced me that pursuing my childhood dream of becoming a pilot uh, wasn't out of reach, and it demystified the process. And it it didn't take me long to figure out, okay, this is, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but this is garbage, and this is valuable. And and it doesn't have to be all about teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple of YouTubers out there that I enjoy just watching their banter when they're flying from point A to point B. Uh, I, it, it can be funny and entertaining and you learn about destinations. So it doesn't all, always have to be about training. Right. Uh, there's still a lot of great content out there. Um, in regards to the garbage, I, I saw a meme the other day on Instagram and it was a Volkswagen with about 140 GoPros mounted to it. And it said, if people were learning how to drive cars, like students learn how to drive or fly airplanes, right. this is what the car would look like. Absolutely. And it was completely completely decked out in, in GoPros. So uh, I, I appreciate that. Awesome. I appreciate the feedback. I think it speaks to, um, there's this, there's, a, there's a rise of this particular vanity, I suppose, mm -hmm. that I feel like that is the, that's the, that's the thing that sort of convolutes uh, in that sort of post-truth way you're sort of talking about, Josh. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I think that there's, 
there's room for things that are fantastical and or comedic or or caricatures or whatever. Um, and then there's also, I mean, hey, if if there's room for like the kind of things that I make, you know, it's like there's room for just about anything. And um, but that being said, you know, what what do you feel like, Josh, that you you see um, that maybe I mean, obviously, that's kind of what we want to see maybe mm-hmm. less of is the things that are not being helpful, <laughs> uh, if not downright problematic but on the flip side of that uh because you know and i guess i'm trying to overlay this with the the notion that youtube rewards this and this is part of the the problem right like it's not people are incentivized to do things that are perhaps less authentic but maybe you can speak to some things that you see going on now that you feel like wow like there's actually people taking it to another place or that there's hope for uh a perhaps more authentic and and truthful future. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's all over the place. I see stuff left and right. Uh, you know, stuff that's really great, and then I all every now and then I'll come across a post or a video, or I'm like, that that didn't really do anything for me. But but then again, that's my my personal preference. Also, I I want everybody to express themselves and, and create what you want to create, post what you want to post. Uh, that's me as a person saying that now me as a flight instructor talking, that is where I start to have a bit of a different opinion. Now, as a, as a flight instructor, I will still say, I want people to post what they want to post, create what you want to create, be creative, use that as your creative outlet and inspire others to get into flying. Like that's, that's a big reason that I do it. YouTube early on played a really big role in getting me into the whole aviation filmmaking thing and got me fired up about airplanes even more so because my dad got me into it to begin with. So I want people to to do what they want. And I always tell people, if you're going to, if you want to start a YouTube channel, don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Don't worry about what you think an audience is going to want to see. Produce what you want to produce. It's going to perform terribly, most likely in the beginning, but keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And eventually your audience is going to manifest itself. Great movie. Kevin Costner said, if you build it, they will come, right? Movie, movie. We know what that is, right? Oh, yeah. yeah we, oh, Dances oh, yeah. with Wolves. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> Yellowstone. <laughs> so you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of touching on something, and I'm going to speak for my friend Brian, but he has a creative manifesto, uh, and I wish I brought my hat, but it's nobody cares. Create like nobody cares. Right. Dance like nobody's watching. Right. Uh, and he's got a whole video on, on this. And, and I have ventured out a little bit with one or two videos under that vein. And I don't care how they do on YouTube. It's me expressing myself and saying what I think it needs to be said. So I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. There, there are videos out there that I watch. And again, this is where I consume most of my media, you know, people posting their first solos and some of them are super sweet and I think are awesome. And they're, uh, they bring a lot of joy. And then there's those that are look like they're just going for the clicks and I can tell about 30 seconds into it. Uh, I'm, I'm banning it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from it. Right. Yeah. There's definitely a line. Uh, and Brian, we touched on this earlier before we started the live, but I, you know, that my, my archive on YouTube does go back quite a bit. There are some that go back even further than that than what you can see that are currently not visible. And I, I really, I made them unlisted after I became a CFI because I started to look at some of the things I did and published as a student pilot that, you know, I was either with a CFI or maybe I was a solo student, which would make me solely responsible. Uh, but I looked at some things out 
like that can be construed in a in a not so accurate way or a not so good way without additional context here. So my plan eventually is to, and I, it's just on my massive to-do list, but my plan eventually is to do like a CFI Josh reacts to student pilot Josh oh, from a decade yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> because I have all that stuff on camera. Our Josh cast. Right. <laughs> That's right. You're like, I'm reporting myself to the FISDO. <laughs> well, you know, you're only offending yourself on it. Yeah. That, well, that's right. And I, and I can go back and look at a lot of things that I posted or a lot of archival footage that I have of myself flying and be like, man, I wouldn't fly with that guy. And that was me, you know, 11 years ago or whatever it may be. Uh, so, and I, and I think that sort of humility is really important to showcase on YouTube too. Now, I'm not saying that like everybody who creates content in aviation needs to, you know, be humble and talk about it on camera. Like be creative, make what you want to make. That is my mission. I want to talk about that stuff. I want to highlight my screw ups. I want to over explain things and provide additional context so that almost like try to answer the questions that I know are going to be down in the comments before they're even asked. Just like this last video, I, was, right. I kind of hinted at some density altitude stuff, but I didn't explain it in the plane. So I took 45 seconds to cut away and have a voiceover explaining that. And I referenced the pilot's handbook and, and said, link is down below, go read on it. I have to say, um, it was really weird coming into Marfa when it was 100 degrees and I realized how fast I was going over the ground, you know? Right. I mean, right. the sensation of that and the way I tried to explain it to my wife was I said, imagine if you're used to commuting to work every day and you you, you know what it kind of looks and feels like when you're going 75 miles an hour. But for whatever mm-hmm. reason, because of some environmental condition, you you have to go 110 to go 75 and you feel like everything's happening really fast. You know, that's kind of right how I, how I experienced it. But yes, that's- thank you for... Um, tell me to look at my airspeed indicator and not, you know, isn't it funny? Like that's, I think that that's one of my favorite things about aviation is that there's always these counterpoints of perception versus reality or right. tendencies versus, you know, like, um, you know, just the idea of like when I got my tailwheel and, and it's like, you know, you can't give the yoke back, you know, like, whereas I don't, like right. oh, there's so many things you build into muscle memory that now you have to remind yourself to do the opposite. And th- that's what I love about it. It's like, this constant wrestling with your, you're trying to develop instincts while also trying to tame them. And sometimes you react opposite, <laughs> you know, it's weird. I love, I love that description. And, and uh, to sum that up in, in a single term that I love to use on people, <laughs> not on people in videos and in content, but sometimes I'm talking about other posts and whatnot in, uh, or uh, sorry, unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. It's, it's just, it is like that there's a point beyond your high beams. You you don't know what's there. You don't even know what you don't know. So like there are certain realms of flying that I won't even drift into or won't even entertain tackling by myself because I don't even know what the dangers are. You know, like I'm not, I'm just not experienced. I'm not educated in that. So I'm going to get some instruction first or I'm going to consult some people. It's the Errol Morris, uh, Donald Rumsfeld thing of, there are known unknowns yep. and unknown unknowns. And it's like, you don't even know what you don't right. know, which is basically the process of learning how to fly, right? Where you're like, I don't know how bad I am because I don't know what I'm doing in the first place. And Right, right. Ted, your wall is so emblematic of exactly what you're saying right now. It's profound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the podcast, I, I have uh, Mario blocks behind me with question marks. And yeah, that, that fits me very well. So there you go. Well, uh, 
so where's it going, man? Like, you know, like where's, where's all this going? Because you've got people that are successful like you are in the sense where it's like, it is success, but it's harder for you to be nimble and make big turns, right? Because you have an audience that has an expectation or you have sponsors or you have, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you can't just go, I mean, maybe you're probably also, you have better taste and are probably smarter than I am, but like, you can't go completely in a different direction. You know what I mean? Like you have to make small corrections or changes through, through your, your process. But, um, wh- wh- how do, do you feel like you're hemmed in at all? Ooh, that's, I didn't expect that question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't pass. Think, <laughs> you're pass now next. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I am necessarily hemmed in. I'm very fortunate to to have an awesome tight batch of sponsors that let me do my thing. Um, and, and of course, like I've, I've designed it that way. And I've taught, you know, we, we work together and we, I sponsor with companies that I like or, or work with companies that I like sponsors, uh, to promote things that I truly use and love. And it's a very good relationship in preserving my creativity. I have complete creative control. Of course, I can't, you know, just totally go off the rails and completely be inappropriate and all that kind of stuff. Then you, you know, that's, I guess if there is a way that I'm hemmed in, that would be it. But I also don't even want to jar my audience like that necessarily. Um, I don't, uh, I definitely do not feel as though I am in a position where I can't really deviate from my my current format. Now I do change it up here and there. I think my audience has sort of balked uh, at certain formats that I've put out. And certainly if it's a video that really like had a little bit to do with aviation, but it was just a really cool project that that was kind of a tangent away from aviation, but it kind of had something to do with it, but it didn't, you know what I mean? Like when I have produced something like that, that is like what I think is an incredible production, very pretty and everything, completely flop. If it had nothing to do with airplanes. And that's understandable because that is what my subscribers subscribed for. They want to see airplane stuff. They want to see IFR and they want to see the technical nitty gritty stuff is what I have found just resonates the, the most. You know, of course, the comments are overwhelmingly positive with the cinematic stuff where I am pouring my my creative heart and soul into a video. Uh, do those perform the best in terms of views? Not really. Um, just I, I saw a couple of comments and you even pinned one to the screen here about that full length touch and go video. Absolute minimum effort, maximum views. I think it's at, at like close to 4 million. I, I haven't looked at it in a while, but it just, you know, just ridiculous. It's uh, it completely took off. And I think that's because the audience was able to just kind of sit back and watch. They didn't even have to move their head. I was doing that for them and sit there and watch the whole process start to finish, literally from starting the airplane to shutting it down, talking on the radios, going through the checklist, everything. Uh, and I have found when I've produced videos that are very procedures heavy and very nitty gritty like that, uh, it resonates super well. Oh, it yeah. looks like you're being trolled in the chat right now. Just want to yeah. give you a heads up. That's probably good. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> somebody named Chelsea Smith that that said uh, highest view count, lowest editing effort. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like referring to Josh and Chelsea. She knows as the uh, the prom king and queen of of aviation. They're my, my favorites. <laughs> The thing Absolutely. is, though, is that's a you know, that, that's a universal thing, right? Like the Beatles did this. Like, I mean, it's just there's something about art and creativity that lends itself to this kind of uh, back and forth between you digging deeply into something and almost maybe alienating an audience because you're on some sort of path. And 
you have to almost build up your belief in it because you put so much into it. Right. Or you just, or you're just more deeply aware of the nuances and wow, like this is a level of craft and everything that I'm after, but that becomes more of a reflection of yourself. Whereas um, like, you know, you, you had said about the video that I made about Marfa, you, you said, you said the editing was very simple and I, and that really mm-hmm. stuck with me because I, I actually just, I didn't film that much. I didn't shoot that much. I was just kind of in it. And when I got back, I really wanted to make something about it, but I didn't have like the coverage that you would normally have or, or whatever. But what that amounted to was just like, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Like it just I don't have to have this complex array of angles and, and available footage. You know, it's really just about what it is or what right. you want it to be. Um, and so I didn't take that as a slight at all, by the way, I took that as no, like, wow, right. like that's actually kind of what you're talking about. Right. So, right. I, I, so when are we going to get the second channel? That's just called Josh's touch and goes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I have thought about, doing something like that but one issue with that is i would lose my creative outlet uh if i if i focused on those full length videos on aviation 101 is is what i'm talking about i would lose that creative outlet that like just straight up my soul needs in terms of of cinematography and and producing a story i have to have that in some way now i can exercise that outside of aviation and just produce the nitty gritty indirect training type stuff on the channel uh, I could absolutely create a second channel at some point. That's just a bunch of full length videos. People really do just want to watch me, uh, watch me fly and screw up. Well, and you do have a, uh, you know, your paid levels and things where mm-hmm. people can access more things too. So that's also yeah. good. Yeah. And, I, and I'm wanting to do a lot more there too. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of playing with different ideas of, of where to really take that. I think full length videos, and that would be a good place for them because that's really kind of like the, the diehard niche side of it. And, and that does take additional time for me to produce and edit that stuff. But I also think they're very valuable. So I'm, I don't know, I'm just very torn on kind of where to take that. And I'm always asking for feedback and all that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to figure out ways to do it. And now that things are settling down in terms of my video backlog, those are those are some items on my to-do list that I am finally able to get to this fall. Awesome. Yeah. You, you've got a lot of spare time. You're fine. Yeah. Tons of it. Yeah. So Christopher B uh, in, in the comments mm-hmm. kind of asked a, a series of questions and I'll, I'll kind of bounce off that and, and ask it here, which is like, how do you decide a topic that you, how do you decide where does your next video come from? Do you shoot footage and then think, oh, you know what? I think I know what, what the subject will be. Or you say, I'm going to do a series on touch yeah. and ghosts. Or how does that, how do you right. choose that? So it's a very good question. Um, and the short answer is it depends. Now here comes the long answer. There are really two types of videos that I put on the channel. Um, one of them is the topical type of video where I am talking to the camera for most of the video in some way. And, and we're focusing on some sort of a topic. Uh, it might be, um, you know, IFR clearances or right before Oshkosh, I actually put out a couple of videos that highlighted the common mistakes when you fly into Oshkosh. Don't do these top five things. Like, please, it makes it unsafe for everybody, that kind of thing. Yeah. So those are the topical videos. Those are absolutely planned out, not necessarily scripted, but they're bulletized ahead of time. And I have kind of a, a list that I run down through the video, topics that I want to touch on, things that I want to mention. So those are 
are for the most part laid out in a storyboard ahead of time. When it comes to the sort of the more cinematic, pretty, like we're going on a trip and I'm going to take you along and tell you this story. Those are really just off the cuff. They're film. Uh, we get as much B-roll as we can. We rig the cameras in the plane or these days I'm just using a couple 360 cameras and we gather as much content as we can. I talk my way through flying when we're actually going through procedures and IFR, all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the whole trip, I have all of my my massive database of stuff that's compiled into a folder for each day. And within that folder, there's a folder for each flight and then a handheld folder and a then a folder for each camera on each flight. <laughs> so I have all of that stuff organized. And then later in editing, uh, usually before editing starts is when I can kind of look at the the trip as a whole and be like, OK, how can I divide this into some videos? How many videos? I don't want to abuse my audience with like watering it down and being like, I can get 10 videos out of this, you know, and it was like a three day trip or something like that. Um, so really, those those sort of cinematic narrative traveling videos, they're just done off the cuff. And uh, and I will script the voiceovers later as I'm editing the video. Um, and I kind of have a rough idea of what I want this episode to look like when I begin editing. And then I just record voiceovers as I go and uh, slap it together. It's easy as that. <laughs> <laughs> and you just go to AI and uh, Adobe AI and just say, make a story. No, but it's... Yeah, it's I'm waiting different. for the day. <laughs> right, but, right. but I will interject on that point real quick. I did see a quote just the other day about AI. So... I am using a lot of AI in my editing, uh, but it is only things like transcribing a clip so that I can do the text-based editing and snip out the parts of my dialogue that I don't want. I do that manually, uh, but the AI writes the transcript. Um, I'm using AI to doctor up audio to make it sound better, You know, just little things like that. I read a quote the other day that was in reference to AI about articles and how AI is just going to start writing news articles and, and opinion columns and stuff. And somebody in this article that was written by a human about AI said, why would anybody want to bother reading something that nobody could be bothered to write? Yeah. And I think that's going to be our saving grace in art when it comes to the fear of AI just making all the movies and everything. We're going to lose interest if, if no human could have been bothered to to create that. So anyways, that was a little tangent that I was Yeah. Well also AI is sort of pumping out things that it's scraping and then regurgitate. So it's it's right. getting dumber as much as it's getting smarter. But I right. I, I use um Descript, which is a an AI type of tool for exactly what you're talking about, transcription and sweetening sound and the, the, you know, mm-hmm. all that without all you know, I'm I was an audio engineer by trade and producer for many, many years, and I know how to do surgery on audio. And my God, am I so glad to just go make it sound good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adobe Speech Enhance is like, I can't wait till that feature is added to, to the non-beta premiere. Yeah. It's going to start getting weird over time, though. You know, We're, we're going to talk about the future now, and, and maybe... We'll have to freeze frame this moment and really start to look at what's happening now. Because if we in 10 years are like, wow, Josh has not even aged like a minute, you know, <laughs> like we'll know, we'll know like when, yeah. he, when he, you know, it's kind of like steroids or for athletes or something right. like we know when he started, we know when he started. No, but, but um, just, just send Chelsea a message and, and ask her what I really look like. And she'll <laughs> tell the truth. Like <laughs> he looks terrible these days. <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk about the future. I mean, I do find it interesting when other platforms, you know, or even YouTube, you know, 
There's a lot of people. I, I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends that have very, very large YouTube channels that are incomprehensibly large. Th- thanks for saying that, Brian. That's, it's where they're <laughs> I'm just saying, but like their whole world is in that world, right? Like if, if something, right. if YouTube goes and says, you can't do this now, or you can't do that. And like, they're subject to that, you know, do you, do you sense any volatility with YouTube as a platform or do you feel an impetus to start trying to, to, to diversify or exist in other realms or? I, w- I would love to diversify. Um, and I have chatted with different entities that try to do, you know, some sort of like social media aviation or, or like an aviation video network or something like that. I feel like in, in this at this point in time, that's kind of reinventing the wheel, depending on how you do it. I don't know. Um, I have been I, I'm very deep into the YouTube space in terms of like my video career and everything. If YouTube went away or just magically said, hey, you can't do, you know, we're, we're we sold our our website to some other you know, massive entity and no more. Bye. Yeah, I'd be hosed a little bit. <laughs> um, I would yeah. definitely have to scramble and figure out what's uh, what's next. Now, there are things that if you if you have made a business model out of this uh, and if you're smart about it, which is what I did a, a couple of years ago, I'm not saying that I'm smart. I'm not. But <laughs> I I did this uh, a few years ago. And and at this point, it's it's kind of automated. But basically, anybody who goes through and interacts with my website, I have their email. Um, so I have a, I've basically a, a massive email list. And and for those out there listening, don't worry if you land on aviation101.com, I don't magically have your email. You have to like go check out and buy something or sign up for the paid side of the website or something like that. Um, But I have a pretty sizable mailing list um, that if anything like that ever did happen, I could be like, hey, FYI, this happened. Uh, I'm going to figure out something else. If you would like to be in the loop, click this button. Um, I do not send out email campaigns. Different people have told me that I should. I haven't figured out a really useful way to do that. I don't want to end up in people's spam folders. I don't want people to be annoyed by an Aviation 101 email and like find the unsubscribe button or that kind of thing. Um, I feel like right now YouTube is is sufficient for that. Um, and it's it's doing decently well. But that is something I've given a little bit of thought to in terms of, of YouTube going away. And uh, I have thought about sort of building my own engine to host my own videos, not talking about a network to like bring the top 10 YouTube influencers now. I just, <laughs> I just want to produce my films and get them out to the people that want to see them. That's what I want to do. I, it's in whatever way that can happen right now, YouTube is my vehicle for that. I hope it doesn't go away. I hope at least Google will give us warning if that's good. <laughs> Let's go ahead and plug. Um, uh, as a member, I feel compelled to co- plug Josh's aviation101.com and join his cockpit club. I am a proud member of it and been, have ordered stuff from me in the past. Absolutely. Uh, so y'all can, um, for the audio audience um, that is not watching this live, uh, uh, Ted will have in our show notes or doobly-doos, as they like to call it these days, uh, links to uh, Josh's website. Um, and also, if you have feedback uh, about this episode, we'd love to hear from you at midlifepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Wanted to throw that out there real quick. So what else? Uh, well, listen, Ted, I just as we were talking about the, you know, we were imagining this apocalyptic scenario where YouTube <laughs> goes belly up. I was just thinking, please don't start an OnlyFans, okay? Ted, just... Chad, <laughs> we, we've already we talked tried, about this. Uh, you know, the midlife one. Yeah. Zero subscribers. <laughs> yes. Actually, there's people that pay us not to post on. I said, you 
reverse ransom. Right. Oh, man. Um, I, I ahead, did want to mention real quick, uh, uh, the Badger pilot uh, gave a shout out to Chels. My daughter still talks about meeting her at Osh this year. We went straight to the kid venture after and she earned her toolkit. That's awesome. Thanks to Chels for being inspiration to his daughter. So I uh, didn't want to let that one go by. Absolutely. That's that's so cool. And we love going to events like that just just to interact with people. And uh, and it's us. It's all about the people. It's yep. all about the the audiences that appreciate our content. And gosh, so many. It's so awesome seeing little kids, especially little girls uh, or not even little girls necessarily. All girls <laughs> come up to Chelsea and be like, I never imagined being an aircraft mechanic. And here you are. You're like this girly girl that's totally killing it with with the mechanics uh, related stuff. So that's yeah. It's I, awesome. I felt like so. I have three boys. The youngest is 18 and he'll be going to middle Georgia college to get his uh, aircraft certificate, uh, maintenance certificate. But when we were taking a tour, when we were taking a tour, I would say um, of the 12 people that were on the tour with us that day, uh, there was four girls that were going to be joining the same class, which I thought was a very high percentage of of what, and it it really gave me a lot of hope for the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely agree with that. Talk about job security, man. My gosh. It's, uh, I'm so jealous of them. I seriously, I I wish I was 18 right now, knowing what I know. I mean, that goes without saying, but holy cow, this kid's going to have his whole life. He can pick and choose uh, a lot of different things. We're in a world now where like parents are pleading with their teenagers, like, please do not go to college. Right. (laughs) Go to trade school. (laughs) (laughs) You'll you'll be buying us a mansion in no time. Yeah. Yeah. no college. You want to be an influencer now? Right. No, it well, was not the point. Right. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so Josh, if, um, if you took a year off, what would you do? Man, you, you're coming at me with the question, all the questions I didn't expect. What would I do if I took a year off? So to be clear, what am I taking a, a year off from? Cause my work oh. and play are very much like, I see it's, a, it's like, that's fair. It's a government mandated. No, it's uh, it's just let's just say that. You, OK, I don't want to say you have like a meltdown. OK, let's just it's more like a, people have these kind of existential moments where they want to take a sabbatical from the rhythm of what they've been in and doing in their lives. Right. And they might mm-hmm. want to go to Valencia and learn how to make pasta or something or just kind of disappear for a while. So yeah. huh, what do you got? Gosh, I don't know. Um, So. I am very much into the outdoors and overlanding. I have a Nissan Xterra that has a rooftop tent. It's all decked out winch and the big bumper and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would love to just go disappear in that thing for a while. Um, Kelsey and I both love camping in the outdoors. We love Alaska, maybe a road trip to Alaska. That'd that'd be great. Um, I would probably still have to take cameras with me because that's just a passion of mine um, and and sort of document in that way. One thing that she's super into is sailing. Um, and she's kind of gotten me into looking at that kind of stuff. We've like kicked around the idea of doing the whole, like live on a boat for a little while and, and do the great loop or something like that. That would probably be my number two choice would be, uh, go live on a boat, buy a sailboat and go live on it. Okay. But what about something exciting? I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I know, I just, I don't know, man, I'm just kind of a, like a lame laid back kind of just don't bother me. <laughs> That's amazing. The idea of, um. Just something about a boat, right? That's the ultimate. Uh, I'm out here, man. Yeah, you know, I'm not in the rhythm you're of society. There. Maybe that's something that you know pilots appreciate, right? Like this idea that you're separate from everything, right? You know, for for a minute. Yeah. So 
Terry and my wife, we we did started this last year and we're going again next year, but we have some friends that have their catches licenses and we'll go charter a boat. Last year we went to St. Lucia, sailed around. We're going to go to Bahamas this year. Fantastic. But it was, um, what was fascinating about that and tying that back to aviation, it's kind of interesting that there are is some overlap in sailing a boat and knowing the winds. And um, I took my sailing buddy up and he's like, you guys don't tack in the wind when you're in your airplane. And I'm like, hmm, I never really thought of it that way. I guess you could, yeah. but. Different. Um, a, the sailboat's a, a wing. It's an airfoil, but on its side, you know, a little different. But yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a knowledge and appreciation yeah. for the wind. And the that's airplane. exactly yeah. right. So, but anyway, that sounds like a lot of fun. Ben, I, I, when you told yeah. me about that, I wanted to immediately go reference some of your, uh, like, flight aware. <laughs> what's the adsg for your sailboat well i am actually thinking about taking the plane we're going to pick up the plane in nassau i mean pick up the boat in nassau and so i am thinking about making that uh, hop over to the bahamas and my single engine making me a little nervous beautiful yeah so we'll see about that and i've seen your videos on that as well and and many others but uh on making those international flights yeah it's gorgeous so, so Josh, you have obvious, I'm, I'm sure that if you wanted to, I mean, if you were really driven, if you, there's some reason, right? Like why you stuck with your plane, right? You've done a lot of amazing things to it, but I feel like if you ever flew another plane, would the world fall apart? Would people lose their minds? I mean, do you have like, do you have, three, do you think it's part of your brand? Do you have, do you have a Pilatus that you don't tell anybody about? Uh, that would be great. I, I would love it if I did. Um, no, there's, there's really no reason. Um, it's just. Things with the with the video business. So I went to college full time for four years, got a bachelor's degree in computer engineering that I absolutely do not use. Definitely uh, in hindsight, trade school would have been a great option just to, to get some sort of an education like that. Um, after college, I had already had the YouTube channel rolling for quite a while. But after college, I really dove into filmmaking and, and media full time. Um, so it has just become such a time suck and such a, a, a monster that keeps me busy on a regular basis that I just, the 172 is just, it's what we have. It's the easy thing to fly. Oh, time to go film some more content and do another trip, you know, just, and then it just, the content stacks up and I just get busy. Um, now in the last couple of years, I've really been thinking about what to sort of transition to. We're not going to get rid of the 172 because that was the plane that my dad and I got 10 years ago with our father-son project. The paint scheme means something to us and we've done so much to it. And and it's 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 what we want. And of course, he's still flying too. My dad flies quite a bit. So um, that's the plane that he loves too. We're not getting rid of that thing, but I'm really- Featured at Oshkosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm also really starting to lean into, you know, I'm finding that the cross-country mission is kind of at the center of, of what I- need. And I've really been looking at different airframes, um, both experimental and certified. I'm a big fan of Moonies. Um, I've looked at some twins. I don't think that would be a wise jump for me at the moment. That would be a lot to handle, not only financially, especially if it's like big bore Lycomings or Continentals, but also I'm, I'm a very new multi-engine pilot. And just like the, the unconscious incompetence thing, I don't want to dive into something head first that I ultimately do not have all that much experience with. Um, so I'm kind of like trying to to keep myself in the realm of reality here. So I don't know, something like a Mooney or a Bonanza um, dream single engine would be, uh, if you're familiar with Sling, we actually, Chelsea and I were really uh, admiring the Sling high wing 
that was on display in Oshkosh. Oh, yeah. And uh, we got to talk to the founder of the company and everything. That's just a gorgeous airplane. Bonus that it has an airframe parachute too, because that's a big safety thing for me. So many fatal accidents didn't could have been non-fatal had there been an airframe parachute. So that's just a big, big thing to me yep. too. So I don't Ted, know, to answer your question. Ted's flying plastic egg has a parachute. The CTLS has a parachute. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we're running a little bit short on time, but I wanted to make sure that we got something, you know, your mission, right, is about, you know, safety as well as uh, enjoying everything, right? And so I would say the median audience for this podcast are people like us. We're midlife pilots. We've probably been doing this um, for, you know, two to four to five years. Ben's been doing it a little longer, although he's frozen, so we don't really know. We can't ask him. <laughs> but um but uh, we're all at the top of what I what I call Mount Stupid, right? In terms of the killing drone, you know? Yeah, like, great book. And, you know, and I find that I read that when I was training and then I read it again. Then I read it again after I had some uh, Good for you. More, more experience. And it's really interesting to go back and revisit things with through the lens of more experience, right? Um, but, um, and that goes for even some of your videos and things, right? Um, I've gone back and watched stuff with that. I might have watched that video when I was training, but then through the lens I have now, I might derive something else out of it. But I guess what I'm curious about is if you, like, what are some uh, core uh, reasonings or, or thoughts you might have for midlife pilots that are at the top of Mount Stupid? We're just starting to really feel like we got a handle on what's going on. Um, never stop learning. Uh, I, and that's a very broad thing to say. Um, it's not very deep, but... Uh, I think just knowing where your limits are and always being willing to to exercise humility, knowing that you you are not at the at the top of the the knowledge pyramid here or or whatever we want to hypothetically call it, and you never will be. None of us ever will be. Um, and I think there is uh, gosh, it's just such a broad topic. And what what just what I normally answer that kind of question with is stay humble, never ever stop learning. And just go out there and experience it. Keep flying. Keep flying. Stay proficient. And that's why I emphasize that at the end of every single video. You know, stay happy, healthy, current. Stay proficient. Uh, because it your currency means nothing if you are not proficient. Um, currency is just is just the absolute bare minimum that the regulations require. Um, so the best thing you can do for your own confidence and, and your own flying and your own perception of where you're at with your flying is, is go fly, go fly, know your limits, have your personal minimums and adhere to those and stay humble with that. Uh, but go fly, go, go experience different things, just like you did going out to Marfa and you were, you exercise humility. You let your guard down and said, Hey, I've never done this density altitude thing here. Do you have any, anything that would be of use to me in that regard? And I, I think I sat down and spent maybe five, six minutes just typing up an email like, hey, here are the things to watch out for. And uh, and then, you know, you you said that that helped a lot. And then you went out there and you did it. You just just went out there, flew out there, tackled it. And I think that is such a uh, that's such an important thing for us to do as pilots. It's just just go out and experience it. Go do it. Go try it. Know where your limits are. Go kill yourself in the process. Acknowledge the fact that there are things that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So mind that, uh, but go out there and experience it. Go do it. Right on. Well said. Uh, ben and Ted, do you guys have anything else before we wrap it up? No, again, um, just really thankful for you joining us. Um, been watching for a really long time. 
And, um, and I don't watch it cause you're there. I watch it cause the content's great. And so, um, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, we'd love it if you, the audio group would, uh, share this podcast, write us a review, give us a follow. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like, subscribe. As Brian likes to say, push all the buttons, <laughs> flip all the switches. You can support us via uh, following us on Spotify as little as 99 cents a month. Um, these proceeds go to help me buy better equipment so I don't sound so bad and maybe even have a better connection than I've had for a lot of this podcast. Um, anything else, Ted and Brian? No, I, I just, uh, again, yeah, super grateful, Josh, man. Really appreciate it. Um, we'd love to... Um, have you back every week. So looking forward to that. Um, hey, let, let me know whenever you, you want me, uh, let me back. No, but it's seriously, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. I hope it's been a valuable, I hope it's been of value to the, the listeners. And, you know, we have had to do a lot of shifting in this podcast. Uh, thanks Ben and, and Ted for, um, it's almost so close to Bill and Ted. Ben, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, it, I keep hearing that <laughs> echo in my head every time you say it. I get it every time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I gotta make that meme. Um, so yeah, but thank thank you guys, Ben and, and Ted, for uh, sticking with me while you know uh, we we miss having Chris, midlife pilot. He's in the chat. Uh, he just popped in after a, a band rehearsal or whatever he's doing. When I think about how hard it is to make YouTube content, how hard it is to make something that you care about and that other people care about, it's real easy for the effort that's behind the scenes, the the amount of slicing and dicing that you're doing on. A uh, maniacal level to tell these stories is so. It's kind of like when you see somebody really great at basketball. It's like wow, they make it look so easy, right? And it's just because they've shot a thousand free throws a day or That's whatever. Right. I that does not pass me, man. Like it, it's very clear um, that what you have is is earned, and and that is only gone about through repetition and hard work. And so it's 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 noticed and it's appreciated. Hey, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it definitely is a lot of hard work and I, uh, I, I just put this stuff together and put it out because I love doing it. I'm very passionate about the safety and instructing side. I wish I had more time in my days to uh, instruct full time and, and actually be a, a more active flight instructor these days. I hope I will get back to that point at some point, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I love doing it. So I appreciate any, any support about it. All right, man. And by the way, like if you want to do an instrument series with somebody that's incapable of understanding instruments. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, I've got a guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Just go into this with eyes wide open, Josh. Just you, you've been warned. <laughs> I appreciate the warning. All right. Well, Ben, uh, get us get us out of here. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us in the live chat. We really appreciate it. Signing off episode 47 of the Midlife Pilot Podcast. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thanks.